Welcome to Wednesday Wisdom. We are here on our Anchor podcast. And James the One, we are here on Periscope. We've also got our Discord Patreon family who can make live comments as we speak. And now let's go to YouTube. So this will start recording in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. All right. Hello, our YouTube guests. Hello, our Patreon guests. Hello, Discord Patreon guests, Periscope regular guests, our beloved family, and those on our Anchor podcast, anchor.fm forward slash gabsmack, which will also be available on iTunes. This is weird, but we will give it a go. And in Wednesday Wisdom Today, welcome. We're going to talk about sometimes becoming quite nihilistic. And perhaps day respites might be necessary. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it might be going to the library, disconnecting from social media, disconnecting from those things. Hello, Yukon Camper might be quite important. Uh, It is sometimes irritating when some people say, let us provide faith (laughs) as the answer. The only truth, if someone just said nihilism is the only truth, that is ironically a religious statement to make, uh, speaking in absolutes in such a way. So either a health place or a library, is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. I think it's quite important. I would say for those of us who are born in such a way that they cannot believe in things without evidence, uh, I would suggest maybe a replacement for other rites of passage. Some people have their church on Sunday, etc. Perhaps it can be libraries on Sunday. I love the library. It might be meditation on Sunday or meditation on Friday or Tuesday or whatever it is. You specifically put in a time where you do have some sort of ritual which enables you to not only self-reflect but transcend the self even if one can it's uh, quite important i think for that to be okay just because some of us may have decided that these narratives invented by our ancestors might seem to be a load of hogwash it doesn't mean that we get rid of the rituals attached to them so it's uh, lately it's been hard to motivate uh, myself actually to even come on scope to speak on youtube to do anything like that uh what have we got here hey hey ghost v god everybody good to see you now on our gab fam on patreon uh, sorry on discord as you can see this is our discord app here um, where all of our patreons can come on and talk to us as a priority hey 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 are important and valid absolutely clowny good to uh, good to he- see you there hey hey everybody and uh Jean, Ginny, who's going to, I'm going to make her the admin, hopefully as soon as I can, on our Discord Patreon app. So uh, she says, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hey, hey, cheers right back at you. Now, let's jump back onto our YouTube cast. We're still recording at anchor.fm forward slash gabsmack. So it's all everywhere. It's crazy. All righty. Let's get back into what we were saying Um now, I definitely didn't want to go to the gym at Reesby where I was where I was going because there's, there were a few meatheads there that are just unbelievably irritating on too many levels. And I'm like, look, it's already enough that I'm in this enclosed environment trying to work out. The last thing I need is loose, you know, testosterone, steroid-filled psychos who are willing to scream and swear at the wall uh, and anyone who looks at them for more than three seconds. So I'm like, yeah, look, this is just crazy. But now... Uh, it's not the meatheads that were actually 
the object of my anger. It was the memories of the bullies at school that the meatheads were representing. And that, of course, am I still driving the bus? Uh, I do drive buses, yes. Tonight I'll be driving again. Yeah, that, of course, is what we call transference, psychological transference. We think of someone that's done something to us and then we naturally create patterns. It's what, what we humans do. We do things like stereotype. And this happens to me all the time. So just to give you another example, I joined a dating company two years ago or whatever it was for a bit. And when they say, what were you saying there? Sorry, we got Clowny says, as a man, it's hard to endure being around steroidal meatheads whilst working out. Absolutely. <laughs> it's very irritating. So what the dating company said to me was, we don't really want to put your origin as Middle Eastern. Um, uh, and or Lebanese because people won't want to date you. Now, this was in 2016-17 that I was told this. And this is what it's like to live growing up as someone of that descent in Australia. Even though I keep thinking I'm Australian, I'm very quickly reminded that I'm not by society. It's like we have to hide our identity because somehow that's less than human or less than equal. And part of that comes from stereotypes. When you think of someone, Eva, so you, no one would know Eva, for example, is from the Middle East. You, you're thinking, look at her. She's a beautiful Italian slash Spanish slash Greek looking person who's amazingly articulate, very uh, sensitive, nonviolent, no scarves or anything that you might think that is you know, a cliche type of thinking. Uh, and, oh, they, they can't be from the Middle East. That's not possible. Well, no, it is quite, quite possible. And it's the same as saying that not all uh, you know, white people are somehow of the same origin or any of this sort of stereotypical type of thinking. And once again, this, I'm, not try I'm obviously angry about it, but I'm not trying to place judgment on, on any of us because we all do it to certain degrees. Um, someone said to me only a few days ago, I was driving the bus, of course, and we had some guy pull in front of the bus in a very dangerous way. And this person on the bus said to me, in all genuineness, this person said to me, I can't believe that guy pulled in front of you like that. He wasn't even Asian, right? That's what this person said to me on the bus in public, like this is a normal thing to say. Now, I don't equate this to racism per se, in the similar way that you might think of someone who's from the KKK or, or a Nazi or something like that. It's more linguistic callousness in a way and stereotyping because what we do as human beings is we take one element of something and apply it to a group naturally. And this is coming back to me doing the same thing with the bullies. The bullies at school that harassed me, right, were represented in those meatheads at the gym. And so my anger for the meatheads was actually the anger towards the bullies, not the meatheads. And that's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying we're all guilty of it at a, at, a, at a very deep level, psychologically, biologically, it's ingrained. What did they do to you? Exactly. They didn't actually do anything to me. The meatheads at the gym didn't do anything to me. So it was absolutely not uh, right to, to actually judge them in any way. They just happened to be meatheads. That's it. They, they could be the nicest people outside. They... They could be anything. They might be bullies. They might not be. We don't know. And this idea of our brain sort of extrapolating some sort of linear trend 
off one anecdotal example is a huge problem that I think we do across the board. This is stuff that I've been learning only recently. Um, I struggled, as you guys know, beyond almost reprehension, I guess, if you're going to apply some judgment to it growing up. And it's led to a huge amount of problems that I would say deviate from maybe neurotypical problems, which are also very bad. Um, like being paranoid. Yeah, paranoid is, is is sort of a hyper example of that. Yeah, where you could say all the, you know, all the whatever ethnic group or religious group is running the world or whatever, because there might be people who happen to be positions in positions of power who might be disproportionately from one place. So therefore you think that the whole thing, you know, yes, you can absolutely do that. It's, it's, it's very normal for humans to do that. Uh, we have to, I guess, we had to, you know, on the planes of where we were evolving, understand what animals would do so that we could track them, we could hunt them, we could figure out what our opponents were going to do, etc. And if we were wrong, we just died. Um, we have black holes, George. I haven't seen you in ages, George. <laughs> I, th I thought you got upset because I was not doing black holes. Uh, that's funny. So, so everyone on our podcast, uh, we have George who, um, who has asked me what it feels like a year ago to teach more on black holes on my Gabversity channel. And I got absorbed in my thesis. And now I'm absorbed in working on my case that I have going on, a legal case. So I'm completely swamped. Of course, I recognized you. I don't have a savant memory for nothing, my friends. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, let's get back to what I was saying. So hello, YouTubers. I forgot what we were talking about. I'm sorry, because I had to pause the YouTube channel to comment to our podcast people and our Periscope people. So let's go back to our next uh, point here. So some family members constantly, uh, Nikki, it's my time. I've known you since the beginning, my dear. How can I forget you? Uh, a highly uh, religious individual who does uh, morning uh, religious talks and also shares religious talks of another, I think, an African-American guy uh, who's slightly balding at the front, who has, uh, I don't know what you call those, cornrows hanging down, talking about uh, God as if it's as uh, real to all of us as it is to those who are religious. Uh, smiles every scope. Thank you. My pleasure, Ghost for God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, sorry, on YouTube again, uh, people are uh, uh, testing my savant memory skills by asking me certain obscure questions. Uh, but <laughs> and they're saying I'm wonderful. Uh, if you read my book, you will see that life was not as easy as one might think. So, yes, uh, that's what I was saying to the YouTubers before. Growing up with severe autism and trying to map out human behavior to appear m more acceptable or accepted by society. Um, has led to now recently after much destruction in life in society um, around me it's led me to a hyper understanding of humans as if I'm an alien studying them and, and so I can look at things in a way that someone with autism tends to do which is synthesizing details to try to construct some sort of pattern but they see the individual variables uh, they, we see the individual variables uh, at, at an extremely high resolution level. Now, our beloved Eva says, everyone else is the alien and I'm the normal one. I, I, I have said that before and I think a lot of people with autism might think the same thing. It's the regular humans that are the weirdos. <laughs> That's right. There's just more of them. They just reproduce. The muggles, the nomads, <laughs> the nomadic. All right. So let's get into the next part. Now, many family members in my family, of course, uh, offer faith as the solution. Now, me as an autistic scientist, 
uh, maybe not necessarily autistic because there, there are many autistic Christians, of course, but me with the scientific style brain that is more of a positivist, uh, is not really interested in that type of uh, utility being an answer. I've been in a very lucky situation having family members of very different Abrahamic faiths who all say that the same evidence uh, actually leads them to their specific belief, which is, of course, mutually incompatible with other beliefs. And that's a scientific response that I would make and say, well, I'm sorry, just because it makes someone feel good or gives them an answer or, or gets rid of nihilism. Uh, I get that. And that's great. It is great. But it doesn't mean I can force myself to believe in something that I just don't believe in. And I think many people are the same, even those who are religious, they're not going to believe in someone else's belief, right? It's their sp particular belief that works for them. And I'm not going to get into that on this scope. It's not about that. Uh, but uh, that, of course, can help exacerbate the nihilism. <laughs> so nihilism is, of course, a problem. Nihilism doesn't mean that life is meaningless and it has to stay that way. No, we actually add uh, meaning to our own lives. And, and when I say we add it, we actually add not just a pretend meaning, a real meaning. Part of my real meaning is doing these Wednesday wisdoms for YouTubers, Periscopes, etc. And it's now becoming expected by many of our regular guests that Wednesday wisdom is going to appear. So we've created something out of nothing, if you want to call it that. And that in itself has meaning. There is, there is a meaning that we can feel. You can feel it. I can feel it. I know that this is real in the sense that I know that I'm providing meaning to other people, helping other people. And someone's just asked me if I believe in God. I don't believe in general in things. I don't like to work on belief. Now, in English, belief has two meanings. In other languages, like, if, for example, in Arabic, we have two different words. We have iman and a'tiqad. One is belief based upon consideration of evidence, which is a'tiqad. And then one is iman, which is belief based upon faith. So faith for me is not a virtue. For some people, it is. For me, it's, for me, it's not. I don't work that way. I probably would have been the doubting Thomas. But Thomas, of course, felt the wounds in the hands and uh, knelt down and said, my Lord and my God, I think, uh, from memory of uh, from my Bible days. Uh, but uh, I don't see that as evidence. I see that as evidence of someone who potentially was crucified or had holes in their hands. And that's about it. Doesn't really tell me anything else. But it might tell other people stuff. And that's their right. That's their business. And I'm not here to negate that on this scope. Um, what have you got there? Blind faith. Blind faith is not a virtue. That's hilarious. Um, there's something there's something worse than blind faith, which is called blind consistency. Blind consistency uh, is... Uh, now, I'm not live on YouTube. I'm recording this and it's going to go up to YouTube in a moment. Same with my podcast. Podcast and YouTube will, will be uploaded at the end of this scope. Uh, good question. Uh, now, the podcast actually has all of my questions. So the podcast might be slightly more irritating because it cuts in and out. With YouTube, I actually pause it when I'm talking to you guys. Closer to confidence. All right. So let's talk about blind consistency. Blind consistency is when one automatically assumes that because the evidence fits the hypothesis, then the hypothesis is true. And that's actually not true at all. In fact, that's something that we as humans do all the time. And that's probably a bigger problem than the traditional forms of faith. Because they, we now have an, enough people, I guess, who accept, even religious people accept that you know, it might not be 100% true. They accept that they believe to a certain degree. It's not in like it was, you know, six, 700 years ago in Europe. Uh, 
um, where can you find my podcast? They're on iTunes under Gabsmacked. But if you want to find the source podcast, it's anchor.fm forward slash Gabsmacked. You can also find them on our, some of them on our Patreon accounts, etc. And YouTube Gabsmacked is where the edited version will go up to Programming Vincenzo. Um, blind consistency is something like this. If somebody acts like a racist, then they must be racist. That's actually not true. If someone acts like a racist, then their acts are consistent with one who is racist. It doesn't mean they are racist because there could be other possibilities that you haven't actually thought of that actually also provide a narrative to explain their behavior. And I'm very, very obsessed with this because someone with autism like myself, who's learned to function to a very high degree, actually leads people, many people to think that I'm actually a neurotypical who's just an asshole, when in fact, that's absolutely not true. And this is quite demonstrable now because of the amount of tests that help remove that narrative. Greetings to chivalry. Another example of blind consistency would be when people say to me, which I get every time, and it happened on our last podcast where that lovely Australian chef took over my podcast, gladly, that was fantastic, said, you don't look Lebanese. Now, I don't look Lebanese. If I don't look Lebanese, no, no Lebanese looks Lebanese. Now, I'm sort of obsessed uh, with that. Uh, you're very kind, Shivari. I'm sort of obsessed with that because that is something I've experienced my whole life. And for those of you who've just jumped in, I have, I've had many, many times people say to me, for example, the dating company said, we can't put that you're Lebanese because you won't get dates. Okay. Um, I, I've had people openly say to me, I'm not going to work with you because you're Lebanese. Uh, I've, there might be something else. Yes. Um, I've had people say you're too good looking to be Lebanese. Uh, I've had people say, oh, how come you eat meat if you're Lebanese? Um, how come you're not blowing stuff up? Now, I hear this all the time, incessantly, at least once a week. This is a normal thing that I get in Australia. And this is why I've never felt that Australia is completely my own home. Because this is absolutely normal that you will get this. And this is not people who are bad or anything like that. All the time, all the time, all the time. And, and if you look at me, most people in America think I'm just some white guy, European guy, Italian guy, whatever it is. Why the hate towards Lebanon? The hate towards Lebanon is very stereotypical. Part of it's to do with the media. You were born and bred here, yeah. Um, the, basically, it's, it's not a judge. And, and I don't mean bad to people who say these type of things. I don't think it's hateful. I think it's ignorant. Yes, I don't, I don't blame people. I think they do it out of love. Even, well, I do it out of love. Oh, let me give you an example of someone I think who does it out of love. I have a friend of a friend who is openly, openly touting how amazing I am and how much this person loves me and my character and everything else. And this person said that, you know, I can't believe that people want to judge Lebanese because there's, there's so much difference between the Christian ones and the Muslim ones. Now, that in itself is also ridiculously and abhorrently ignorant. Even though she's paying me a compliment, right? In her mind, it's a compliment because oh, he's from the Christian side. So he's awesome. He's not one of the Arab ones. But that's also lumping in all of the Arab Lebanese who aren't suicide bombers, which is 99.99% of Lebanese Arabs. They're just regular, in secular, normal people who, and who might have their own belief, just like many Christians have their own belief, but they, they sort of keep it at home. Uh, and and the, this is the thing. This is a really, really good person. Uh, 
and, and yes, and and night like more than say 75, 80% of Lebanese around the world are European Maronite Christians, but it doesn't even matter. It, 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 even if it was 99% the other way, it doesn't actually matter. It's the same type of thing, yes. And in Australia, obviously, people were surprised uh, that um, that I wasn't Muslim, even though the majority of Lebanese are not actually Muslim, um, and the ones who are, are secular in in a high high degree. So it's a very interesting, unique place. It's a multi-ethnic democracy. There are d different ethnicities there. It's right above Israel. It's highly progressive. Um, it's actually a Mediterranean country more than an Arabic country. Uh, it's produced probably more successful people around the world than maybe any country in the world, even possibly Israel. Um, you know, like whatever. It's just a place. Like it's a place like other places, like Greece, like uh, like you know, uh, even even Abyssinia. You know, the the beautiful African empire that was destroyed by the Italians. I mean, that was unbelievably advanced. And people talk about Africa as if it's one block. Uh, so anyway, yes, I don't, I'm not one of those people who says people are hateful for saying what I think are terrible things. Um, I think that to me, it seems that people say it out of ignorance and I think I'm guilty of the same thing. So I don't want to blame people necessarily. Um, it's, it's very easy to think certain things about a whole group because of a minority. Um, yeah, and so, so as I said, you know, my life here has been quite horrific in many cases. Not just that, but but combine that with the autism, etc. Let me just um, let me just bring stuff back. So, what have we got here? Now, actually, what's actually happened is that the majority of, say, non-Arabic Lebanese in Australia, which is still the majority, do not identify as being Lebanese. And I see this all the time. I'll I'll, I'll see someone who who obviously is speaking like this and his name might be Michael Jaja. So he's he's obviously a Maronite, I can tell from his accent, from his name, from his facial features. And he'll say he'll say to me, because he doesn't know I'm of Lebanese extraction, will say, I am Italian. And I'm like, yeah, okay, kiss my backside. Right? Seriously. So this happens of the world. Like it's now become where it's similar to sort of the Jewish minority. Uh, his name might be Michael Jaja, for example, or something. I'm just making up a random name, but there are so many Michael Jajas, they'll probably hear this scope and think, hey, he's talking about me. I'm like, no, I'm talking about all of you. <laughs> you know, or someone might be called like a Ibra Ibrahim uh, Abdul Masih. Now, Ibrahim Abdul Masih is, is clearly either an Orthodox Christian name to me because his name is Abra It could be Maronite, but it's more likely Orthodox uh, Christian or Melkite or something like that. So they're Eastern Christians who are either of the Orthodox side or the Catholic side, but with an Eastern tradition. Uh, now, someone just asked, is there a difference between a racist and non-racist if they act the same? Very interesting. There is a difference. There is actually a difference. The difference is not in the outcome. The difference is in the intent. And intent matters because intent allows you to predict one's behavior in the long term. It also allows you to apply a different type of judgment to them. They both do damage. They absolutely both do damage. We've spoken about this on other scopes about intentional and unintentional racism and, uh, let's say, uh, um, racism through neglect or, or, or negligence, negligent racism. Unfortunately, we have actually taken those three different terms, three different ideas and lumped them all together into racist. And that's actually quite destructive because there is a difference between someone who is an open, uh, openly a Nazi and someone who just says, oh, I don't like this race because they just don't know anything about this particular race and have an idea that's actually incorrect. Now, do they both lead to destructive patterns? Yes. But if you call the second one a Nazi, then you actually push them, I think, 
away from a proper discourse and then they go to this pocket and end up voting for some right-wing demagogue without mentioning any names you know who i'm talking about so yeah race is sort of an illusion i prefer to talk about populace or pop populations is much more important than race um how do we know intent if a racist claims they are not can we assume it uh, okay so I tend to err on the side of presumption of innocence. If someone says, I'm not racist, but I hate black people, well, that's sort of racist, okay, if someone says that. Uh, but if someone says, look, I'm not racist, but I just don't get why we have intermarriage. Now that's sort of, I'm gonna go on the presumption of innocence. I'm gonna say they're not a Nazi. They're not here to judge people on race. They, they just might be uncomfortable with something that they're not used to. Now that's still a problem. That's still a problem, but it's a different type of problem. I don't think we solve that problem by calling that person a Nazi. Um, so that's where that's where I differentiate, I would say, with my radical brothers and sisters on, on the left who might want to say every single one of those people falls under the Nazi category. And I just think that's quite dangerous because that's a, that's a religious view. Ironically, that's a religious view because you're making a, a dogmatic statement based upon faith. My most impactful experience on Periscope. Ooh, most impactful. I don't have a most impactful. I would say that me learning about human beings by via your comments actually teaches me a lot about myself. So my I didn't really understand the extent to which my autism actually was quite pervasive in my development. <laughs> Talking to chivalry. Uh, and, and how ridiculously powerful my memory was compared to other people's because they're telling me that I can remember these obscure facts when I didn't know that, that, that that's what was different about me, for example, and that says, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure, look, when I'm sure Hitler, when he brushed his hair in the morning, thought he was a good guy. So th that's also true. Someone just said, how can we differentiate between, uh, you know, a racist who says he's not a racist? Um, there is there has to be some sort of objective measurement and we have to talk about it we we can't talk about it at the moment because everyone just gets too angry and starts calling each other racist and all of this bullshit when instead we should be saying okay well let's have different levels of what we think is good and not good to criminalize versus to advise on um five yeah look i i can i can openly tell people i know when i was growing up I, I had a lot of anger towards Arabic Lebanese growing up in the ghetto that I grew up in because I blamed them for, for the rest of Australia hating me for thinking I was an Arabic Lebanese person. And that was as a kid, I would think that. I've now completely flipped on that. I understand that stere stereotyping is something that's quite common amongst um, human beings without us being actually aware that we're doing it. Um, in Springvale, Melbourne. Oh, wow. All right. So let me just keep going here. Um, yes, we assume, um, yeah, mind reading is a massive, uh, uh, problem. Uh, yes. Uh, so as I said, as I said, my scopes and my YouTube are hyper-focused around my autism in the, in the sense that I've been trying to desperately understand how can I be misunderstood to such radical degrees, which has happened my whole life. Um, okay. You say the real problem is the racist, not radicals calling them racists. I would say it's both. So absolutely, a real racist needs to be, you know, I always make a joke, they should be hunt, hunted down and shot. I, I say that as a joke, but um, uh, thank you very much, Metal Balls. It's a pleasure to have you as always. 
uh, it's definitely both. It's definitely both. You you can't, you know, if it's like if someone has um, a bruise on their left arm, right? You can solve that if they have a pain there from a bruise. You can solve that problem by shooting them in the head. You can solve it. They won't be in pain after that, right? But that's one of those things where, well, okay, if you shoot them in the head, then their family is going to want revenge. So you you can't actually separate those interdependent variables. And that's the problem. See, once again, with humans, we treat variables as if they're separate. So another thing that someone has brought up on Periscope, we treat variables as if they're all independent when they're not. They're actually correlated and interdependent in many cases. So you can't turn on a TV without that meaning that you're drawing on power from somewhere. They're, they're connected. And it's the same thing. You can't... Um, you can't decide to call everyone who looks racist a racist without there being a consequence, which is that those who who have family who know that they're not really racist and just ignorant will actually want revenge and then perhaps go and vote for someone like Trump and make the country even worse in terms of its divisive you know, problem that we have now where we have one camp and another camp. So it has a consequence. Um, uh, brachycephalic. Are you Turkish? I am not Turkish, but I do get asked that a lot. Um, that's a, one of those things when we talk about Lebanese and Greek and Turkish. And so I, I did a genetic ancestry test, and the majority my ancestry evolved uh, in, um, in in Gusteria, modern day Gusteria, which is next to Russia, and it was a Semitic gene, haplogroup J2b, which. 5,000 years before that originated in Israel. Now, the funny thing, the funny thing is that 50% of Greeks, of Greek men, have the same genetic origin, paternal genetic origin as myself. In Lebanon, it's only 20%. So I'm one in five in Lebanon. In Greece, I'm one in two. So does that mean I'm more Greek or am I more... Uh, does that mean I'm more Greek or does that mean I'm more Lebanese? Um, Neanderthal variants? I didn't actually check for that. I only checked for mitochondrial and Y-chromosome DNA. So yes, you are Greek. So that, that's the thing. And then some people say, are you Greek? Are you Turkish? Well, you know, these fictitious lands that have been moved around. I had a guy yesterday come up to me. I was waiting to go see the, my Wednesday wisdom doctor. And he says to me, hey, are you Greek? I said, no, my grandparents came from Lebanon, but I'm Australian, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a Macedonian. Uh, he was, uh, you know, you know, Thessaloniki in Greece. This used to be part of Macedon. Uh, uh, back in 1912, they... They changed the border and the Greek, they took our land. And I'm just thinking, holy crap, everyone's taken everyone's land. <laughs> you lie. He goes, um, he told me that a Greek archaeologist, he find the, the grave of, uh, of uh, Philip of Macedon. And he find it in Thessaloniki. He had this really, really long hair, gray hair with his beard, right? It sort of looked like a, like a homeless Gandalf. And he's like, and he says to me, um, but this archaeologist, they find him dead in the room. Pff, secret police, the Greek, you know, the Greek, they're very bad. So, yeah, like, what are you going to do, right? And he goes, I have a map in my room. It has Macedonia in 1912. And uh, it is all Macedonia, no Greek. You know, <laughs> It's like the Greek people, man, they, they're crazy. They're very bad. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is what I mean, the stereotyping that we see across the board, which is quite naturally, naturally occurring. Now, the next part I wanted to talk about uh, was the fact that I was made a bronze Patreon member. Bronze Patreon member, 
means that I have to scope at least twice a week. Now, for those of you who know, I scope basically every day. But because I have to scope twice a week, I said, I don't want to scope at all. Screw it. I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone uh, to tell me when I shouldn't shouldn't scope. So this so the doctor said, thank you. The doctor said, let's think about it. What would happen if you didn't scope? If you didn't scope, what would happen? I would say, well, I would lose my bronze status and go back to where I was. He goes, okay, and what's the problem with that? And I said, well, nothing. I would be just where I was doing my scopes and still getting a couple of thousand people or whatever, the same thing. He goes, okay, so the obligation that was actually there was in your mind. It wasn't from Periscope. Periscope actually just recognizing your contribution. It's not that they expect you to continue. And then you also have a rebel that's in your mind. So your mind has encapsulated both the bully and the rebel. The bully from the days of you growing up getting abused at school and the rebel who has learned to just say no to every single thing that anyone tries to tell you to do. So if someone says to you, drink this water when you're dying of thirst, you just won't drink it because you have learned to develop that intolerance to people telling you what to do. So actually, uh, the internal bully versus the internal rebel was all in my head. There you go. You have the psychological mechanism. Exactly. Blowback. That's right. Um, so either it compels you in one way or compels you to do the other way. When in fact, it was all in the head upon self-reflection. So self-reflection is the most important thing to realize that actually that was all a hallucination. And many of us make decisions, I would suggest, based upon these internal dichotomies that fight each other that are actually all within our own heads and are completely an illusion. And then I thought, you know what, that's great. Now I don't have to care if I scope or if I don't scope. And then, of course, today I decided to scope. What are you saying? If leftists only called actual racist racist, there would still be blowback from that too. There would be. There's always blowback from, from certain things, but it doesn't mean that therefore we can then just choose the other blowback. We, we have to be more accurate, I would say. We have to be the better people. And I know what I won't do. Yeah, uh, Eva says, tell me what I should do and I, and I know what I won't do. All right, let's end this Patreon, sorry, this, uh, this Anchor podcast. We'll have a break. Recording. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the second part of our Wednesday Wisdom, everybody. Thesis has been handed in. And so the nihilism came after that uh, because of mental exhaustion. And having to drive buses during the day on Saturday was very disastrous for my mind because I, during the day, there's a lot more stimuli. And that's why I drive a lot at night. During the day, there are lots of hundreds of people that I'm transporting. And combining that with the autism makes it unbelievably difficult and exhausts the brain. And when the brain is exhausted, what is left are the negative thoughts. And there is no trained thoughts to combat the negative thoughts. And so you're left hating yourself, thinking the worst of the world, life is meaningless. Why am I wasting my time? I did my thesis, so what? I thought I'd be happy, now I'm not. So it is important to know if someone has autism or you know someone who you know, has autistic traits, it's important for your own well-being to know where you might get too much stimuli or too many stimuli and try to minimize that type if you can. It's, it's not healthy to completely avoid it because then you can't learn, you can't grow, of course, and learn about other people. 90% of my behavior has been learned and it's learning because of the fact that I've been with other people, but it's, it's, it has... You know, from that has been derived much, much mental angst because of stimuli. 
uh, that has been, of course, in the end, unwanted. Uh, all right. Now, why do all this blah, 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 blah. And then we start thinking about life is passing. I'm nearly 40. What have I done with my life? What a waste. Uh, what's the one thing people always mis misunderstand about me? The one thing. That I actually understand uh, what the hell's going on. Um, when it comes to people hanging out, mowing grass, very cool. So have you ever withdrawn into isolation? Of course, all the time, all the time. I withdraw into isolation. That's why sometimes you don't see me on scope for a while, which is why you limit interaction only to fruitful events. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, it has resulted in me missing, missing many weddings, missing many funerals, uh, until I understood recently that it's actually important to do that to build social networks. Social networks are unfortunately important because we are a cooperative species. And so to truncate our ability to cooperate actually decreases part of our ability to be human. Hello from Russia, Moscow, Kazdila, Deshni Paruski, Niet, Spasiva, Fajalasta. I have no idea which part of that made sense, but anyway. So here we are with life passing, with uh, dignity lost, integrity, perceived integrity to be lost. Um, yeah, what people don't understand about me is that I, I don't work well with things that are not exact. And so people can sometimes think or often think that I'm saying something that's not true or uh, for the benefit of someone else. Pff, I don't work that way break out of isolation. Someone wants advice on how to break out of isolation. Uh, that's, uh, breaking out of isolation, writing and um, doing something you enjoy to build up mental energy, which regular humans, I put this on my on my YouTube a couple of years ago or a year ago called the purpose of enjoyment. Enjoyment is to build up energy in order for you to expend that energy um, dealing with other people. That's, that's what I do. So it takes me a lot of psychological energy to get on the scope and talk to you guys. And I have to build that up. And so I have to have a long sleep. I have to make sure I'm all of my tasks are complete. My projects are up to date. I have all of my projects listed. Doesn't matter what they are so that I'm not constantly worried because people with autism have a problem prioritizing. And so when, for example, when a child, when you cover a, a toy with a blanket for a child, uh, it actually causes them at a certain age to not think that the toy is there. And that's something called object permanence. When you, that's a lack of object permanence. And people with autism have this problem too, where if I haven't written down a, my, what I want in life or this week or whatever it is, the priorities disappear. And then you're constantly worried that you're going to lose them. So you expend mental effort to constantly try to remind yourself about these problems or, or projects or tasks or things that you should have said or wanted to say differently or, or words that you want to learn or whatever it is. So I have lists and lists and lists everywhere, which have been beautifully now put into online synchronizing programs. Uh, and uh, that's quite important. So object um, permanence, that's something to remember. Whereas regular humans don't worry about that too much of a degree. That's why they enjoy peekaboo games. Yes. Brock William is back. Good to see you. You certainly do not look or sound like you have the slightest bit of autism. Um, this is 
of once again, you know, you don't look Lebanese, you don't look autistic. These are the things that, that one gets. Absolutely. It's taken me many, many years. I've had seven years of cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, trying to push back the phenotypic traits of autism. Now, it's had a reverse effect in many cases. Uh, the fact that I have learned to uh, uh, speak much more coherently and walk much more fluidly doesn't allow people to realize that when I make a mistake that it's due to the autism. They think that he must be aware of his mistakes and so therefore he must be an asshole. <laughs> Waiting for the USA. Yeah. All right. So, so yes, that's a huge problem. Um, a very big problem. That's probably the biggest problem that I, I've had in the last few years. So another problem is, of course, learning to understand that people have agency. People with autism don't understand boundaries very well. And so that it doesn't make sense. Uh, thank you. I, I also have uh, savantism, so I can remember things um, in an exponentially more powerful way, apparently. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Um, I also hide it much better on Periscope than in real life. Actually, people ask me in real life, how come you look so awkward where on scope you seem so natural? I don't sound Australian. G'day, buddy. How you going? Alrighty. So let's move to the next thing. We've got to remember that people have agency. In other words, you're not responsible for their choices. And it's very hard to do that with someone with autism. You, you, you are unaware of the fact that there are boundaries, that there is a you and that there's a them. This type of concept is quite difficult, but it's important to constantly remember that. Uh, someone just asked me what age that I know I had savantism. I was 32 and 11 months in the year 2013. No, 2014. Do I understand my own boundaries? Not really. Only the last couple of years I've learned to try and comprehend this. And uh, before that, no. And what actually happens is that the neurotypical society actually treats those who want to cross boundaries with suspicion. And so when I see someone and I want to help them, so once I was at a church event, for example, 10 years ago, and half an hour later, at, after they played their piano at the end of mass, I walked up to the piano player and I said, look, 29 minutes ago, you actually pressed an F instead of an F sharp. And just to let you know that that was a mistake, but you know, you can fix that. And I was completely shocked that she said nothing to me and her eyebrows pointed down, which is I've come to learn now is, is frustration or anger or something like that. Uh, and I was quite shocked. I'm like, why? I'm trying to help you, right? So you don't understand. They, they just think that you're being a, an asshole. Uh, can you harness personal savantism? Someone's just asked. Uh, there you go. Uh, savantism is, is some sort of brain damage uh, and it gives you, it, it normally happens via birth. It can happen via accidents, which has happened to people around the world. Uh, it's not something I recommend. I don't think savantism has helped me in my life uh, because it gives you deficiencies in other parts of your brain. And uh, if you if you go to my YouTube channel and look at Speaking Human series, you'll you'll see uh, what was going on from growing up uh, till now. I, I talk about my life in quite in detail so that you can sense what it might be like to to be someone on the on the spectrum growing up. All right, let's look at our final points before we go. Uh, what are we talking about? Lots of different things. Uh, now, what do we got here? Acclimatizing. Okay, so the next topic is. Uh, thank you. Yes, it, it has helped that. Yes. Uh, 
acclimatizing to the idea of compromise. Uh, now, in talk, talking about me being articulate, for those of you who followed me two years ago, you will notice that I was not anywhere near as articulate as I am now. And that's because I have learnt by listening to many, many people speaking uh, how to poise the words at specific points, uh, breathing techniques, and memorizing specific words I put in my calendar on a daily basis, such as salacious or expiation. Ah, yes, someone just said I answer every question literally. That is a problem. Yes, I, I do tend to do that quite often. I have to remind myself that maybe they're being sarcastic. Um, now, if I'm talking with people, <laughs> if I'm talking to people in real life, I will assume they're being sarcastic. And that's, of course, had problems as well. So once somebody told me their wife was getting, uh, they, they couldn't, their wife couldn't make it because they were sick. And I said, ah, oh, yeah, probably sick of the marriage. Now, of course, that didn't go down too well. But you, that's one of those things where you have autism, you're trying to figure out, should I be sarcastic in general or should I be not understanding people in general? And so by trying to fit in, that's exactly a problem that happens with autism. So people just think, what a jerk. Good to, good to have you here. Thank you for all of you who have subscribed. Subscribe to our YouTube channel if you can at Gabsmack. That would be awesome. Now, let's see our people on Discord, what they're saying. Uh, I'm just going to have a look. No one is on our Discord channel. Oh, no, we have. All right. So what have we got here? No, no one's responded. All righty. So the idea of the, the idea of the gray, this is very difficult for someone with autism, the gray. So I wanted an iPad in order to write type of things uh, that in a way that PCs can't do, even though I'm, I'm a PC nut. And I wanted the iPad Pro. Now, the iPad Pro was $1,000, so I decided not to buy anything. Now, that's, of course, what the autist does. They're like, either I get it or I don't. Now I've come to learn after therapy. I actually went back there about 15 minutes later, and I used some of my therapy to realize maybe I don't need to get the iPad I want. Maybe I get the smaller version, which is half the price. And that way, I'm getting some of what I want without having to walk away with getting nothing. And that's what I did. So I got myself this one with the Apple Pencil. And it is, I'm very happy. I'm not completely happy and I'm not miserable. And that is a weird concept for the authors. I have to keep telling myself that this is how neurotypicals live. They live with something called compromise. So to give you an example, <laughs> to give you an example, uh, my past, uh, I, I was in a relationship for three years, about five years ago. So it ended two years ago. And this person, I've said this story before, this person asked me if I wanted Milo in my milk. And Milo is a chocolate powder. And I said yes. When they came back, they had given me Ovaltine. Because Ovaltine, according to my ex-partner, was chocolate milk because we had actually run out of Milo. Now, I considered that to be a lie. I said, you lied to me. Right? Um, and so I never spoke to her for about three days after that. Hello, Dusty Foot. Three days. Now, of course, you might think, what a jerk, what an asshole boyfriend, and all of those things is exactly what you would think if you made the assumption that I was neurotypical. Whereas if you make the assumption that I see things the way they, in the, in the sort of the most highest resolution of variables, I didn't ask for chocolate milk. I said Milo. Milo was a subset of chocolate. 
Yes. This is someone else just said, yes, I do take the risk. I do take the risk because also someone with autism doesn't really understand risk very well. That's another problem that I have. And it's led me to make disastrous errors uh, because I don't understand that there are certain risks that I just physically cannot factor in. Because you, if you don't have theory of mind, now with autism, you, you're not born with something called theory of mind. Uh, and theory of mind is this understanding that you have a mind and other people have a mind and that they can think things that you can't and you can actually go into their mind and think how they think. Awesome stuff, Eva. I struggled with that my whole life. I now understand that I can't think what other people think and I try to make maps in my head and I'm lucky because of my savant intellect that I've made tables of hundreds of thousands of rules in my head for specific circumstances. But if it's a circumstance I haven't come across, I won't know what to do. So when I was in Lebanon once, I saw a wall and they said Syria is on the other side. So I climbed the wall because there was a ladder there. I ended up getting arrested as a Jewish spy because I should, should have known that you can't climb that type of wall because that's an illegal border crossing. If it's quick. So, uh, you know, that's an example of not understanding risk because you don't know that that should be dangerous in the first place. It's not that you are a psycho who's just like a, you know, a renegade and trying to live wild. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of rules, exactly. So one of the rules I have learned on Periscope is to read people's comments. Now, you might think I do that naturally. No, I have learned to do that. How have I learned to do that? I learned that by watching other people's Periscopes, but I only have to watch someone else's Periscope once, and that rule goes in my head permanently. Now, apparently, that's not something that's regular. That's part of the savant side of my brain. I did not know that. Now I know that, thanks to people on Periscope. So here we are. We're getting close to the end. Um, it is possible to have an extreme moral rigidity and sense of justice as someone with autism and yet still be have that spun into being that you're actually a dishonest or a liar or something like that. It's actually, it's actually quite common for that to happen. Because in our current society, the majority of people don't even know what autism is and the ones who do still can't fathom in their minds how someone like me who's so articulate cannot know certain things. It's not possible. Absolutely not possible. And so you sometimes, many times, pay the price of a regular autist. Huh. Um, did I get over it? Uh, someone just asked me if I got over the chocolate milk episode. Um, I only got over it after therapy when it was explained to me what might have been going on. And this is why I talk so much about narratives and people about believing if someone's really a racist or if they're meant to be a racist. I can tell you now, this is so important. Someone with autism. I still don't believe that my ex-girlfriend was telling me the truth. In my mind of minds, whatever you call that, I, to me, the conclusion is that she was lying. But my therapist and my mother and my ex-girlfriend all say that, no, that's not true. And so I think I must be wrong because I have made many mistakes in the past. This might be one of them. It doesn't mean that I see it the way they see it. It's so important for everyone to understand this. And this is why I see this in regular people at a, when, they, when they suffer this to a lower degree. So with regular humans, for example, you, know, you might see someone else vote in a politically different manner and think, how can they do that, right? Now, my answer is that you can't know how they can do that. I don't know how they can do that. But I trust the fact that there are other possibilities than the only conclusion I can feel or sense, which is that they must be racist. That's, that's why... I'm in this very unique position, I think, on YouTube, where even I'm obviously ridiculously politically one-sided, I have people 
who are on the opposite side of the political aisle all coming onto the scope because I, I think that that's part of it. I have to accept that I'm probably wrong when I, when I deduce that people are liars, are thieves, are criminals, are scum. Um, do I lay awake at night? I, I have a medication uh, which uh, allows me to not lay awake at night. Okay. Uh, now, uh, the last part was losing the feeling of needing to succeed. Alrighty. Empathetic. Uh, might be wrong before you judge. Yes, I, I have learnt now, I have put a rule in my head to not judge. And if I do judge and I catch myself judging, then I must be probably wrong. That's how I, that's how I view it now. So I've gone to the other extreme. I just assume I'm wrong on everything. Uh, if someone comes on the scope and says something that most of us find morally abhorrent, I still think I might be wrong. Um, three years, it was a disastrous relationship and she wanted to leave me a lot earlier. Just grow up, bro. Uh, well done, said by a very incisive uh, doctor there. Thank you very much. Um, need middle ground, lol. Okay, so losing the feeling of needing to succeed will not cause a loss of ambition. At least not the healthy, ambitious side. <laughs> um, now, some people as well who may not, this is not necessarily uh, restricted to those on the spectrum. They might actually still feel the need to achieve because they value themselves via their accomplishments. That's a mistake to value oneself via one's accomplishments. The reason it's a mistake is because there are many variables that go into someone's achievements that are outside of what we uh, what we can control. So, you know, is it uh, is it true that maybe my savant part of my brain is like unbelievably brilliant and yet I might never discover anything and so I might never be remembered? Yes, that's true. But it's also, of course, typically the autistic black and white thinking, it's also false to think that I'm nothing if I don't get to that point. Because I've already been in newspapers, I've already been on scope, already been interviewed in different places, already been very successful in, in certain spheres. So it's already happening. Okay, And that is not doesn't make you more of a person or less of a person. It's a external recognition of who you are already deep down. It doesn't mean that you need it because there are many variables that come into play. Black and white thinking. You might be someone who came from the worst possible household and you were able to then not raise your kids in the same way. Now that could be, actually, that move could be even bigger than someone like Einstein who had a decent life and then you know discovered what he discovered. So which one is more important? Well, you know, which one was harder to achieve? We can't we we can't know because there are different starting points with different variables. So it's important to know that there's a very good chance that one will never, ever, ever achieve everything they want to achieve and that that's okay because we have variables um, that restrict us. Um, what we can do is focus on being a better person than we were yesterday. And YouTube guys, I'm going to love you and leave you. That was our Wednesday wisdom today. And until next time, don't forget to take life one smack at a time. Booyah! All right, that's gone. YouTube is gone. Now we're going to say bye to our podcast, guys. Anchor.fm podcast. Don't forget, it's forward slash Gabsmack. You can tune into us. You can become a Patreon member. If you believe, if you really love what I do and you think it's helping people, then become a Patreon member. It's a, a, a between a dollar and $10 a month. You can pick what you like. Patreon.com forward slash Gabsmack. 
And otherwise, subscribe to us on YouTube just to build it up if you're like me and not financially strong enough to do that. At YouTube at Gasmacked. And until next time, guys, take life. Don't take life or take life one smack at a time. Go. All right. Okay. Stop.